What's up, Rad Dads, and welcome back to another episode of the Rad Dads Podcast, hosted by none other than two rather raddest dads on the East Coast. I am Sal. And I am Rob. And I fucked up that intro, but it's all good. Welcome to the show. Rob, what are we talking about today? Thank, thanks for having me, Sal. <laughs> thanks for coming in. Teaching kids responsibility. Yes, lots of it. And when to introduce responsibility? As soon as fucking possible. So that's a good question. When do you teach them? Because even as a two, three-year-old, you want them to be somewhat responsible enough to put their toys away. Good luck. And if your child puts their toys away at three years old, I want you on this show. Stat. <laughs> because when my kids were three years old, as I was picking shit up and putting it away, they're behind me pulling the shit right back out and laying it on the floor. Yeah, that's... All right. I agree, but you, you want them to have that responsibility. Maybe it's not three or four. Maybe it's not two or three, but like three, four, five, around there. I want them to start putting away their stuff. I think they learn what they see. So if they see you putting the stuff away, constantly organizing and being neat, that is something that they will pick up and eventually say, oh, shit, I got to put some stuff away. Eventually. I'm still waiting for that eventual <laughs> shit to happen. I mean, I, I will say, and I know your, your daughters, one of your daughters does this too, is my, my youngest son has, a, has an interest in cooking. So he'll go and help and cut stuff. And uh, he was cutting something up the other day and just um, very interested in, in helping in the kitchen. That's awesome. But there is no help for dad while he's trying to do laundry and fold laundry. No, no. Everyone no, just no. looks at me. And then, so my youngest guy, right? So... I fold, I do the laundry, I fold the clothes. Now they, all they have to do is put their stuff away. That's, that's their only thing, right? I hope my wife doesn't listen to this episode. The only thing the kids, well, I got the idea from you guys because you had the kids putting away their clothes. Yes. So I took that and now the boys do it. Mikey has a mix mash draw. So you open the draw and everything's in there. I mean, yeah, there's Christmas underwear, colors. there's like one sock, there's a t-shirt <laughs> and there's a sweatshirt. I'm like, I was like, I, I don't, I don't understand. And she's like, he goes, mommy, it's the mix max match draw. <laughs> I'm like, holy Jesus. I'm like, how are you going to find anything? He's like, it's all in there. I was like, <laughs> smart boy. I was like, meanwhile, you have a dresser, you have a bureau, but it's all in one bro. Don't worry about it. And yes, I understand my accent. My, I grew up with my mom. She's from Harlem. She says draw, not drawer. I don't, I lose the R on that. And I don't, it's the only word. Draw. I say draw too. You do too, right? Dr so draw, what? Yeah. How's it pronounced? Drawer. Drawer. Yeah. It takes a lot for me like consciously to drawer. say it. And since we've had a couple of glasses of bourbon, everything's off. I mean, the only thing. Like, I can barely speak right now. Draw like, is like when I draw something. Yeah. Draws is the thing you pull out of the bureau. Draw. What's the proper <laughs> way of saying drawer? Drawer. Drawer. Yeah. Drawer? You gotta add the R. Oh. Drawer. Yeah. Drawer, uh, whatever. I'm not phonetically uh, correct. They're not very organized and put in, in tidy. Whereas I am very, everything has a place. It doesn't, it's not out. It's all put away. You don't My, hang out with your wang out? <laughs> that's different, but... You know, you know what I mean? Like everything no, has a place. I, yeah, like no, even my wife's not, she hates putting things away. She'll tell you, I do the dishes. I put them away. I do the laundry. <laughs> I put it away. The only person's laundry I don't put away is your wife's. Is my wife's. I just refuse to at this point. I'm so, like, this is, you have to do this piece. So when my wife will do the laundry and I'll take my clothes from the basket and, and put my clothes away. So, so the first time I did that, she said, what the fuck? You don't put my clothes? I was like, I don't know where your stuff goes. My. So the next time the basket was in the room. I put my clothes away. I put her clothes away. The next day, she's like, don't ever put my clothes away again. I said, why? She's like, I couldn't find anything. I said, 
I just put shit where I thought the only thing, two, two things I know where they go, her underwear and her pajamas. <laughs> I know where those two go. If I see those, I'll put those away. Everything else, you do whatever the hell you want to do. It was a lot easier in the other house because we had a, a dresser. In this house, they have California closets. You ever heard of this? You're big time now. I, know I, didn't, even, I didn't even know what the hell they were. What? Really? They're huge them. California closets. Yeah, but they have all the shelves in there. Yeah. I don't have a dresser anymore. It's all in my closet. Yeah, see, you got a lot more room in the, yeah. in the bedroom now. So it's it's comical. Now you can put a swing or something. Yeah. <laughs> we don't even have a TV in our bedroom. A playset, do something. Oh, we have a we have a reading nook. See, nice. Yeah. So, but I, I think the key to have to to kids being responsible and tidy and needy is them watching you being tidy and needy, and occasionally you losing your shit for them being so messy. So eventually, they'll be tidy and needy. So my girls, before they go to school every morning, they make their beds. That's a must. That's amazing. Don't leave your room until that bed is made. Yeah, that doesn't happen in my house. So, But if, we have bunk beds, so it's a little bit different. My kids have loft beds. Do they? Oh, yeah. And they make their bed? Oh, yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Who else is going to make it? My wife, she's fucking... The only person who makes the bed is when the cleaning person comes there. <laughs> there's, there's no made beds. My yeah. wife makes our bed. Master bedroom too? No, master bedroom is oh. be- mean. No, the kids make their beds. You remember to. in my old house, everyone put their shit in my room. So when people came over, their jackets went in there because we had nowhere <laughs> yeah, yeah, to go. Yeah. <laughs> so the bed was always made in our other house, so it just kind of continued over. But I don't do it. My wife does that. I help, so if I, if I if my wife gets up, she, the one thing she passed the comment, like, you don't even make the bed. I said, I can make the fucking bed in the morning, but you're still sleeping. I can do it. <laughs> But you're not gonna like it. That's right. You're you're out by like four thirty, yeah. right? If I'm home and when I get out of the shower and she's up and making the bed, I'll I'll help her. Or if if she's already downstairs making breakfast or getting ready to make the girls' lunches, I'll make the bed. It is honestly a fucking shit show in the morning here. Like I don't know what happens, <laughs> but if I don't get up by my alarm, we're all waking up while the kids are up. The kids are always up. I swear to God, those kids get up at like 5.30. Not my kids. Exactly. So one of the things that we introduced last year was having, or two years ago, my oldest guy started mowing the lawn. Last year, my younger guy started mowing the lawn. But I pay them. I pay them 10 bucks. So I, that, that was going to be my question. Do you pay your kids to do chores? I do. In some, some regards. But I, I try to teach them like, hey, you should be saving it. So my one son mowed the lawn like three weeks in a row. I said, all right. Out of those three weeks, you get two weeks of the money. One week goes in the bank. I said, you can spend some of it. And he's like, all right. Or they'll want, they haven't really been playing video games recently, but they'll want something for like Fortnite. And I'll be like, all right, you can have it. I said, but the other half goes into the bank. So like, it's, it's not only the responsibility of having the money, but understanding that, hey, you have to save this money too. You have to, you have to do some, some level of savings. So my kids, they don't get paid to do chores they live in my house they're they're supposed to be responsible human beings put your clothes away sometimes they do laundry uh my my middle daughter the one weekend dude she just like did everybody's laundry her sisters all her sisters laundry i mean it's not harsh right dry and she's like all right girls your 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 laundry's ready come come fold it and put it away no i mean it's not hard but she, I'm surprised I would have expected uh, the older one to do that. No, dude, trying to get her to do something is is challenging. It, it's been challenging with her, but we don't we don't pay them. Um, they're happy to do it. Well, sometimes they go cranky, but wash the dishes, 
dry the dishes. So we d- we actually did that recently. We had them washing the dishes, and and they're okay with it. But to be honest, my wife cooks. She ninety nine percent of the time she cooks. I'll clean up, and you know she always bakes something or. Um, there's like a pan and I just, it's easier. I get it giving them that responsibility, but if they do it, most likely like it's sometimes it's hard for me to clean. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm just like, I'd rather wash it and just be done with it. They're getting ready for bed. For me, it's important for them to read a lot. And then the other, the other piece is really them just cleaning up after themselves. Like that's, that's all I ask. I, there's very few things I'll pay them to do. Do they, do they set the table for dinner time? They do most of the time. It's, I mean, it's not every night, but yeah, we call them up and have them do it. Um, they also bring food to the table before we say grace and, and all that. They get paid for mowing the lawn because it's a little bit above and beyond. And it gives them some level of like income so they can spend it and they're not constantly asking. So, but that's all they get. That's all they get. They get that 10 bucks or 20 bucks. My mom told me I was cheap because I'm paying them the same thing I got paid, <laughs> but that's all they get. So they don't get additional money from us. That's just, that's what they get for the week or whatever it is here. We have to mow every week. Oh, well, I mean, yeah. Given, given the size of the property you have, it's fucking, I'm surprised you didn't get a riding mower. Fuck no. <laughs> I got two boys. They're going to be mowing that shit till they leave. So walk- I can't wait until I don't have to go outside to help them out. And you just watch from the, from the window. S- Watch from the bay window or watch from the back porch. And you tell them you missed something. Yeah. Well, that was the other thing. I had to remow a couple of times after my younger one. It was like, it's like what? What happened? Yeah. It was. So I, I think it's important that our kids watch us be responsible, tidy, needy, do chores around the house. Because I grew up watching my dad fix things. And I think that's where I got it from. Watching my dad's, well, dad's, I only had one dad, not dad's. Watching my dad fix things. So I think that. That's what I got from my dad, watching him do all that stuff, mowing the lawn. And I just said, uh, you know, I'll start mowing the lawn. Growing up, I I was paid to mow the lawn. I definitely wasn't as organized as I am now. I, I wasn't as as neat. It's something I think that came over time. And once you got out on your own and you got into college and you were living by yourself, like you didn't want to walk in. Listen, you didn't want to bring a girl home. And your shitty room and your, yeah. And your fucking underwear sitting on the floor or, or on the lampshade or your hampers overflowing and like your stuffed animals are everywhere. Like (laughs) the fuck a girl wants to, the girl's gonna come home. Should we walk right back out? So you don't want to show her your stuffed animals? No, I lived, honestly, I lived in a room half the size of this room when I graduated college. One person or two? It was just me. Oh, you're lucky. So So I lived, but it was a twin. So my buddy had a house down in Marlton. I moved in with him and a couple other buddies. I got the small stream because I was traveling. Uh, to I was actually going to Netherlands a lot, and I just wasn't there. And I was like, "Listen, just give me this the smallest room. Give me the closet." Yeah, I was like, "I'll pay you." I was like, "Whatever you want to get, I'll pay you," and then we'll split. We'll split utilities. I said, "But I'm not here, so charge me like nothing. Charge me like a hundred bucks a month." That's, and it's great. And it was more of not to go home. So it was like kind of proving that self, like I wasn't going home. Um, I got my own place. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, but at the same point, like, you know, I kept that neat. And that was the first time I was really on my own. Yeah. Teaches you responsibility. Yeah. Teaches you to clean your shit up. But no, we, uh, we're constantly, my oldest daughter is neat. You walk into her room and everything is where it has to be. Nothing is out of place. The other two? Oh God, bro. It's like fucking World War Two in their fucking room. It's like the Tasmanian devil just came in and just <laughs> every fucking. So they'll spend the weekend cleaning their room, you know, hamper, uh, 
washing, drying, putting the shit away. Monday morning, before they leave for school, there's fucking shit everywhere. <laughs> so, so, okay, this is the way you left your room. When you get home, all the electronics go on the table. Do your homework. After you're done with your homework, pick your shit up. Yeah. And put it away. And they do. But, I mean... <sighs> What is a good age for having your kid or introducing your kid to some responsibilities? I mean, starting to cook with your child around eight years old, I, I think is a good good age. You know, getting them involved with prepping, meal prep. Yeah. Like maybe chop it. Yeah. Well, chopping, yeah. No, because they have those dull knives. Yeah. So that's what my son was using. Both of them were actually cutting stuff up. What the fuck were they cutting? I think they were cutting cucumbers. So, I mean, getting them used to using the knife. Peppers. That's what they were cutting. They were cutting peppers. Ghost Le- peppers? No. Yeah, right. <laughs> bell peppers. They were actually using, like, a very dull knife to cut bell peppers. And it wasn't easy. But they were cutting it. What were we making? My wife was making sausage and peppers. So, they were cutting all the, um, they were julienne all the, uh, all the peppers. They did a good job. So, getting them involved, starting at eight years old, I think is a good, good, good age. And then letting them understand, hey, you know, we just made this mess in the kitchen. We, we cooked. We ate, you know, we had this wonderful meal. Now it's time to wash and dry. So yeah. I'll, for the most part, I'll wash. But when there, there's nights where I, I have I have shit to do that I need to get to, my girls will decide who's going to wash and then the other two dry. They hate putting away. So, so that's one thing they hate doing. So I'll know if they did the Tupperware container, uh, uh, cabinet. I'll, I'll know which one of my daughters put the stuff away in the Tupperware cabinet. Because it's all over the place. It's like, dude, it's like, really? Everything's just neat. Well, well, it just goes right inside the other one. I think it's important, not only for then, for now, for, for them to understand responsibility, being neat and tidy. That just carries on as they get older. You know, they'll understand being neat, being tidy. They'll understand that everything has its place. They'll understand that, you know, the house doesn't have to look like the Tasmanian devil just ran through it. Yeah, I agree. I, I think they're going to learn. I, I like what you said earlier. They're going to learn f- from you at, as being the example. Me and my wife are like yin and yang. I like stuff put away, very organized. My wife is like, she understands the organization of a mess. <laughs> like she knows where everything is, but it's not put away. And she makes fun of me because she's like, it can be a complete shithole. But if as long as it's in the closet, you don't give a fuck. And I'm like, damn right. Out of sight, out of mind. <laughs> And it, it's true. Like, I don't want people to come in. So my, my younger son had a friend over this afternoon, and there's a basket of clothes sitting out. And I'm like, really? We have a basket of clothes sitting out? And it's and, and someone's here. And someone's here. So that, that annoys the shit out of me. So it's like half, the fuck is it? It was half bedding and half the kids' clothes. So that's, that's the roll of the dice with that basket. <laughs> Fucking knows when that's going to put it away. Because it has to go to my room and then back right, to the kids' right. room. That, that's why you got to make basket specific. You got to be like, you can't, you can't commingle shit with your your stuff and their stuff. No, they'll never touch that when basket. I, when I do the laundry, shit is. Nico has a basket. Mikey has a basket. That's the way to do it. I have a basket. Yep. My wife has a basket. Everyone has their own. And what they when I do the laundry, I say get it down so they can do whatever they want that day while I'm doing laundry. And I typically do it once a week. As soon as I call their name, whatever they're doing stops because they're typically playing video games or, or watching some bullshit on YouTube. They come, they get it, they put it away. There was something I was going to I was gonna say, and it just, it's slipping my mind right now. What is the dad lesson for tonight? Teach your kids responsibility early and often. I would say start them yes. as early as, I don't know, 
Sal thinks, you know, before five is probably too, a little bit too young. So I'll, I'll say, I'll, let's go with like six and seven. Well, I mean, as long as they're watching you being a responsible adult, you know, yourself by putting stuff away constantly. I mean, look, I think as soon trust as me, I, I've lost my shit plenty when they were younger. and Picking stuff up and putting stuff away. I, I turn around and, and, you know, they're pulling the shit back out again. I've lost my shit. Dude, that shit still happens in my house. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking, there's four bins of Legos. Four bins. They could not play for with it for like weeks, and then all of a sudden, every bin's out. Everywhere. And it's everywhere on the floor. I'm like, the fuck just happened? See, that's the one thing. So I will say, my kids now know, after they're done, if they don't put it away, they're going to hear it. So sometimes they put it away. Other times, I'm like, hey, guys. And they're like, we know, we know. We got to clean it up, Dad. And I'm like, yeah. Well, your your Xbox can come out of the wall pretty soon <laughs> if you don't clean it up. So I, I would say teach responsibility early and often. Start as early as five, especially once they're in elementary school, knowing to put their stuff back. I think that's important. Shoe, I mean, shoes are important. Like what they do with the shoes when they walk through the door. Depends if you have an entry. But even if you kick them off and put them somewhere, yeah, that that is important because then they'll see that okay, I'm, they're taking them off and we're putting them somewhere, not just piling up at the door we have less of an entry area now than we did previously <laughs> so it's it's kind of tough but yeah we we fight that battle too because it's like at least only have one pair of shoes out the other ones should be put away that's a fuzzy flying oh okay it's just, it sounds like swinging at the air i was like we didn't drink that much bourbon <laughs> all right so that's a good dad lesson on to i'm happy to announce we have a new sponsor Today's show is brought to you by Weber Home and Business. Weber Home and Business was established in 2021 with one clear mission. Establish a safe, healthy environment in your home, school, or workplace. With over 12 years of experience, environmental remediation and restoration industry, their staff of certified mold inspectors will be sure to provide thorough inspections, detailed protocols, expert knowledge, and professionalism in each and every client. Call Weber Home and Business at 551-502-1052 for mold inspections, air samples, air quality assessments, or water intrusion. And an IICRC certified, whatever that means, will be happy to walk you through the process. They work with insurance insurance companies, real estate agents. So give them a call and get it better with Weber. Again, that's 551-502-1052. And now back to your regularly scheduled program. Rieger's Kansas City Whiskey. And the crowd goes wild. I think they like it tonight. Wait, are, are they getting any tonight? Are we, get, are we handing some out? So yeah. There we go. They want some. So tonight we are tasting Rieger's Kansas City Whiskey. It is a blend of straight bourbon whiskey with some other fine, fine whiskeys, which you will find out momentarily. Uh, it is distilled by the J. Rieger & Company. Proof is 92 proof, 46% alcohol by volume. It is aged at least four years and blended with a 15-year Oloroso sherry, which is interesting. Um, batch size is, un is uh, undisclosed. Blend, so it's a blend of bourbon, rye whiskey, and a light corn whiskey. I did not see any awards on the uh, internet um, what would you say? This is a dark, uh, a dark, this is dark, dark amber, right? 
Yeah. It is a dark amber. What is the price point, Mr. Schult? I had it at uh, $30.40. $30 to $40. A little history on Rieger's. J. Rieger and Company was the largest mail order whiskey, not mail order bride, mail order whiskey house in the United States prior to the onset of Prohibition in 1920. J. Rieger and Company, Kansas City Whiskey, pays tribute to their historic brand through resurrecting the use of adding sherry to American whiskey, a common practice known as rectification in the late 1800s. I said rectification, and you looked at me. Why? Is that a, is that a funny term? No. <laughs> Please. Keep going. Known as rectification in the 1800s, but that was lost after Prohibition. Prior to the Bottle and Bond Act of 1897, whiskey producers were taxed as much as they distilled their spirits. No, I'm sorry. They were taxed as soon as they distilled their spirits, not when they were sold. This require this requirement forced most producers to sell their whiskeys young as opposed to aging for many years in barrel in a barrel or barrels. As a result, whiskeys were often rectified or fixed using sherry, prune juice, ooh, prune juice. Oof. That's got to do something to you. Uh, prune juice and other additives to round out the harsh flavor of the underaged and, by today's standards, not the most well-made whiskey. The Bottled and Bond Act of 1897 was a federal law that not only encouraged higher quality standards in American whiskey production, but also eased taxation requirements for producers who were willing to age their whiskeys for a minimum of four years. The passage of this law incentivized producers to focus on straight whiskeys that were aged for a minimum of four years and that were bottled and bond. While overall this vastly improved the quality of American whiskey, some of the older practices such as adding sherry were lost. True sherry can only be made in one very small part of the world, Jerez de la Frontera in Spain, and must meet its own rigid standards of quality in the production. Sadly, while sherry used to be a very common alcoholic beverage in the United States, it has been somewhat forgotten, while still remaining an important part of the culture in Spain. Their Kansas City whiskey takes some of the finest American straight whiskeys that have been aged for a minimum of four years, and then they add a spectacular 15-year-old Oloroso. Their goal is to showcase the extraordinary quality of American whiskey in a blend while introducing a classic element in the production process that harkens back to the 1800s. As the first producer to revitalize the practice of adding sherry into whiskey, they've created a new classification of American whiskey, Kansas City style. So that was a pretty long one. That was a long one. Can you summarize that? Cliff Notes version? Yes. Uh, drink. It's delicious? Yes. Rieger. I didn't know there was a Kansas City style. Uh, well, we know now Kansas City style whiskey is you're adding sherry to it. I guess they wanted to coin it. And they coined it. I mean, like, is, that, is that the taste? I think it's butterscotch. They say sherry, but I yeah, I taste the butterscotch. Yeah. But I mean, like, just like Kansas City style ribs, this is uh, Kansas City style whiskey. Kansas, Kansas City style ribs is wet, right? It's a wetter type. It's, it's a cut. Yes, it's wet. Yeah, it's wet. <laughs> you're so fucking dirty. No, <laughs> it's, it's, it's the cut. It's I, the cut. I like the dry. 
<laughs> you do like it dry, don't you? I like the dry yeah, rub. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Nose and aroma, sherry maple syrup. Tasting always taste our bourbons neat, unless somebody puts it by the heater. <clears throat> Rob. Uh, <laughs> tasting notes, butterscotch. What else you got in there? I'm getting a little, uh, like a little lingering maple syrup. I got some cinnamon mimins in the uh, dry glass. But that's the schniffer. Yeah. So cinnamon in the dry glass. Finish. It's actually rather smooth, the finish. This may be, this is definitely a shelf, shelf oh, staple. He said it. It's delicious. And for 30 or 40 bucks, it's amazing. So I was actually at a liquor store. They had a bottle of, <laughs> they had a bottle of smoke wagon. I take a picture. I say, Sal, I'm getting this. And I'm, and then this bourbon was, or this whiskey was uh, rated Not, like I a mean, 92, 90? It's a, it's a bourbon. Is it bourbon? Yeah, it's, it's, it's a blended bourbon. Okay. So, but this was a, what, a 90 or 92? 90, 90, 90 point. 90 point. So it got rated by 90 point by one of the magazines. And I was like, you know what? That's not bad for 30 bucks or 40 bucks. I'll buy that too. So I text Sal and I say, hey, listen, I'm going to get this. There's a couple other bottles I liked in there. So I took pictures of them and sent them to Sal. I was like, hey, if you come over here, grab these. (laughs) So I got the smoke wagon that's put away because I, I haven't been able to find it. I was very excited about finding a bottle for 50 bucks. This bottle... For that price is absolutely outstanding. I I mean, taste for me is three o. Smell is like a two, and price is three. I'm going an eight o. Wow, holy shit, an eight o. Yeah, I mean the price is outstanding. Yowza, yes. I mean, I'm gonna agree with you. The price is outstanding. Um, it it it's okay. I mean, if, for the price point, yes, I, I'm gonna give that, uh, uh you know, three o. But, um. Not not overly impressed. It is uh, easy to sip. Um, it's okay on the taste. I'm I'm not thrilled. No, no, oh. no. Yeah, I'm not thrilled. I'm I'm gonna give it a. Uh, I'm gonna give it a six zero. What? Yeah. You're out of your mind. Six zero. So you don't weight the price as much into the rating as I do. No, I mean I I did the price. I'm gonna say is three zero. You know, it's great for the price point, <clears throat> but as far as the other bourbons I've had in in the seven O range or the eight O range, um, you know, it just doesn't compare. I mean, I like that it it's got you know butterscotch smell or and a maple syrup smell and and you hint of butterscotch. Uh, you know, it's just not my thang. it's not my thang. Oof. It's not my thang. So what did I give? I gave three O on the price. I gave three O on what? You know what? You gave it an 8-0 all around. Yeah. Actually, I think I made a mistake. I'm going to go with 3-0 on, on price, 2s on smell, and 2s on... Uh, so you give it a 7. Yeah, 2s on s- smell and 2s on taste. So that's a 7. Yeah. All right, well... Still better than your 6. Still better than my 6. I actually like it. I like the sweetness of it better than like the smugglers, and I think the price point's better. So I mean, I like the taste, but a little bit better. I haven't said this in a while, but everybody's palate is different. Oh Jesus! Here just, we go. Just you know what? We're the experts here. <laughs> Fuck everyone else. <laughs> That's because we got a mic in front of us. Is we have a why? mic in front of us, and we've tried eighty something whiskeys at Holy this point. Shit. You know how, how many have we had? That's we're on. This is episode eighty-one. Take out about like fifteen. So yeah. So we've had like sixty different. I'd say that makes us somewhat of an expert. Yes, yes, we we got expert palates. So yes, disregard what I was saying about five five seconds ago. We are the expert bourbon drinkers and tasters. 
Um, so, uh, yes, I'm a 6'0", and uh, Rob is A7. And now he's got a schnoz in it. I really like it. For 30 bucks? Fuck yeah. I'll be passed out 92. Well, thank you, everybody, for tuning in for another wild episode of the Rad Dads Podcast. And tune in next time for another show that we have coming up. Take us out, Rob. <laughs> <laughs>